Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey, guys. Welcome to Knife Talk. This is a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, DIYers, everybody who's looking to maybe get into knife making or want to know about it or whatever. My name is Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. I'm here with Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives and Marco Momasi, Momasi Fire Arts. We're here every week, ladies and germs, to keep you company, to answer your questions, to solve some of life's giant dilemmas and uh we're here today how is everybody doing very good very good how are you feeling Mareko, are you there oh yeah no i'm here i'm sorry i thought craig was <laughs> gonna start talking my bad <laughs> i'm doing good too good 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 stuff good craig stuff. can i say one thing that i think i've been getting the most amount of messages for Oh, there are two, I know exactly no, what you're going to say. No, you say. don't. No, you don't. There's okay. two things. Two okay. things. Okay. Number one is the last, the extra special secret show at the end of the last episode where you sang the Bruce Springsteen song. Oh, right. Okay. Was outrageously good. It was amazing. I had so many messages saying, when is the album going to come out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rock and roll dreams, maybe one day. Maybe Dude, one day. it sounded so great. Everybody, if you haven't, if you you know you hear the noise and you leave, the last three minutes of last week's knife talk, Craig recorded. In a, uh, was it? Uh, I'm on fire. What is it? What did he, which one uh, was it? Last, what was it? Dancing in the dark. Dancing in the mm-hmm. dark. Dancing in, in the, the dark. Bruce Springsteen. It was awesome. It was great. And the mm. other thing we got a message, a lot of messages about, which annoyed me to no extent yes. no, no end was what's going on with google play i can't listen to i can't listen to your podcast because it's not on google yet what happened you know we 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 don't own google funnily enough we really don't and oh, um shit. it's just i mean the way podcasts work is submitted via our rss feed um that was all good the rss feed is good and it's then up to the services to pick it up from that feed and for some reason, Google didn't last week. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why. There's no reason why they shouldn't. Um, but it's on all the other services. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple. It's on all that you know, the, the, the podcasting apps that have you know pick up themselves, Overcast, and all those things. It, it's on all them. So, yeah, for some reason, it it didn't hit Google last week. And it you know it's happened from time to time in the past where a certain service hasn't picked it up for whatever reason. Um, nothing really can be done. I'm afraid. May, just, may I quote the listener? Things. May I quote the listener? Sure. But yeah. I don't. But I don't listen to those other services. I listen to this one. <laughs> I got a lot of that. Now, if you want, I can call my old high school friend Teddy Lazarus over to Google. He's in the. He's in the. Uh, he's in the in the legal office. If you want <laughs> Google legal office, <laughs> he is. He's one of the main lawyers. I can call him up and say, Teddy, get your ass down to the boiler room because something happened. A knife talk. Yeah. I mean, it's. But at the same time, it's like. 
you know. Take a wrench down and start tightening up those pipes. Let's get it going again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Come on, Teddy. Get your ass in gear. What do you think this is? <laughs> but, yeah, it's just unfortunate, I'm afraid. One of those things. But, yeah, it's on all the other services. So, you know, don't don't worry too I gotta, much. But I got to – now I got to download a new – way to listen and then what about the website craig when are you oh. gonna get the website done i'm just being i'm just fucking doing it because this is what they get this is what i get yeah i've had millions of them myself yes i know i know yeah hey we're doing what we can we're doing what we can you know so anyway this week what's been going on jeff let's start with you then and we'll come back around in a circle it was a very nice week. Uh, a lot of work done. I had a, me- you know, it's interesting because well, maybe this is something we can talk about a little bit later. But uh, I did a little article for a magazine. Well, I didn't. I was interviewed in a magazine that's going to go out for like what's the best things of 2022 in your area, and, and they call me up and they. We had a nice conversation about what we're going to be doing, and it really kind of fleshed out something that we're going to be starting for 2022, which is something that we've been trying to do for a while, which is having more signature series stuff and things start coming out. So in December, we're going to have a little bit more information. But this is perfect timing. It was a great interview. It was fine. We had a good time, nice conversation. And then at the end, they said, we need you to send us uh, high-res images of the work that you were talking about. Hmm. And I said, well, I'm going to do the listener's voice again. This voice again. (laughs) I'm going to do the listener. That's listener's (laughs) listener's voice. Well, can I use pictures from my iPhone? And there was this giant hush of silence because this is these magazine people hear this all the time. They're like, well, you know, just when you do a picture from an iPhone or a cell phone, they always seem to come out blurry when they come to print. And it was like this. I was like, so I sent a message to you and I sent a message to uh, Brian House. Yeah, I just happened to be texting with him and trying to figure out if I should buy a new camera because... In if some... your pictures are going to come out blurry from your iPhone, they're definitely going to come out blurry if you get like a like a high-performance SLR because you need to know how to use it properly. Um, uh, this yeah. was... I, I'm just... When I was... when That's what you said to me. Well, your iPhone camera should be fine. And what they had told me specifically was... And I've heard this from a lot of like photographers that the that iPhone cameras aren't as good as people think they are and that for like print media and stuff like that mm. they don't want those iphone pictures they, she didn't say they come out blurry she says something is in the transfer and they usually just don't come out right i actually had the same thing happen with uh pat quinn um pat quinn is doing the new he did the new uh, catalog for the cma and some of my work is in there yeah i had to send new pictures because they just were coming out blurry in the magazine mm. Yeah, this is like a whole new subject, I suppose. But I mean, if if you've got your, your an iPhone and it's well lit, you're going to take far better photos than somebody who's never used an SLR before, and you know, and and buys one specifically for a few shots, because you know it's 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 clever. It's it's got software in it that does a lot of stuff that you know you don't have to think about. Um, but yeah, it's all about lighting. It's as long as you've got good lighting, you're going to be able to take good photos, basically. Are there... Any sort of modern iPhone would be fine. Are there image quality adjustments that you should make sure your com- your phone is set on before you take? There are, there okay. are Good in question. your in your settings. There's this, so the settings app will show you a list of apps, and then if you go into photos or camera, yeah, you can certainly make sure um, whether you're using compressed photos. And there's little things like if you're using like iCloud storage, and you've got maybe an older phone, and your storage is full up, it'll then start you know compressing the photos more to save space. You know, it's 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 a clever thing. So, 
yeah, it's certainly check out your settings. But you know, a good photo on an iPhone um, that's lit well is often far superior to anything with uh, maybe up to like a five hundred dollar camera. You know, quite easy. Sure. And I bet most people wouldn't be able to tell the difference. So do you think the issue that some of these magazines are having is that the dot per inch or the DPI quality isn't there in some of the photos they're receiving? Because usually you want like minimum 300 DPI, right, for print? At least for print, yeah, at least. Um, I'd say the biggest problem is the fact that, you know, you said, like a dummy, can I just use my iPhone? And, you know, any dummy can pick up an iPhone and take a picture. You know, they're probably just thinking... You're just yeah. going to do that, you know, without giving it any thought and any, right. you know, making, again, making sure the light is right, making sure you're not shaking and so, you know, because we've all seen really shitty pictures. And I don't think that's just because it's on an iPhone. I just think it's because the person taking it is shitty at taking pictures, you know. Um, so they probably just lumped you into that crowd of people. Well, rightfully so. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not, let's, let's, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to is- win any awards here. We can talk picture. about this in the after show because I'm sure there's there's lots of tips that you both have as well for taking photos. Um, so yeah, maybe we can talk about this in the after show a bit more. Well, my tip is I'm going to be having my friend Nico take the pictures. So <laughs> that's, that's my tip. Top, top tip of the week. Yeah, get your professional. Well, I can get a photo of the stars it. in your shop and take pictures. I tell you, you know, hilariously enough. <laughs> so you sent me some pictures, some some uh, different types of cameras. Brian sent yeah. me pictures of cameras and the prices and the prices. I'm sending them all to to, to uh, Tony. So what do you think, Tony? What do you think, Tony? He's like, we well, don't have a friend who you don't have. What about you, Nico? Where's Nico? I'm like, all right, I'll call Nico. Nico's like, yeah, I'll be around this weekend. Yeah. So you say to the magazine, is this photo of John Travolta holding my knife okay? It was taken right. with an iPhone. And they'd be like, yeah, right. it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Hilarious, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. What else has been going on? With me? Yeah. I mean, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I mean, making it happen or what's trying going, to. What's going on with you tomorrow? Because before we started recording, you said you had a busy day tomorrow. Do you want to get I just that? have a million errands to run, yeah. and I just outside of the shop, and then plus I have, we have things we have to do in the shop, and then I we're running into the city tomorrow, and it's just like you know it's a lot of, a lot of, organizing your time. It's, it's nothing, nothing that exciting. Just life, just life. I mean, it's just you know it's not going to be relaxing. It's all. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. Morocco, your week. What's been going on? <sighs> it's been a good. Week of knife making. Can we? Um, can you rephrase that? Because <laughs> you sort of went. <sighs> it's been a good week. <laughs> this week was so good. Uh, no, it was a really great week. Sorry. Cut. Rewind. This week was so awesome. Uh, no, yeah, it was a killer week. And it was really good. I felt very productive. Uh, I have a new way that I'm cleaning up my blades before I get them, them into the coffee uh, that I'm not necessarily ready to talk about yet just because I want to. I need to do more experiments to make sure that it uh, is actually the reason that they're coming out so good. Um, to get Nico in to do it for you. <laughs> I need to get Nico in to take some footage, and we're going to yeah. put up a video. And uh, no, um, so I've been playing with that. I've actually I've been taking knives uh, like from home and refinishing them, uh, like that bread knife and my wife's chef's knife, and um, and the results are good. So I I might be talking about something soon. Um, Otherwise, I finished up this Santoku. Uh, I was actually just talking to Jeff about it, though, on, uh, before we started recording. I think the way I took the photo is somewhat misleading because I like to take a, like an, a straight-down shot, but it does, it's, 
they always seem kind of flat to me and not very interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I always like drop the angle to like maybe like a 45 degree angle or something, something a little bit more dynamic. And it feels like it feels like the knife is like coming at you or something like that. Not in a dangerous way, but in a very pleasant way. Uh, anyways, whatever that means. Um, but a lot of people were like, oh, I love that cleaver. And I'm like, ooh, that's not a cleaver. <laughs> that is a Sentoku. <laughs> um, it's only two inches tall and it's only six and a eighth of an inch long. You know, it's just a little knife. Um, you know, great go-to knife in the kitchen, but it's not a cleaver. So I'm probably going to be reposting some pictures and along with other uh, video of the handle because the, the I've tried to get away from using um, spacer material and... Oh, man. Part of me is now starting to wonder if I should rethink saying this. But anyways, um, and, and so on, especially on Japanese style handles, you usually see like a ferrule at the top. That's different, ha- uh, different material from the rest of the handle. Right. And I've been trying to actually find wood that already has that activity going on in it. And I have some um, two-tone and Boynumbrough, uh, which has the heartwood, which is like the deep red and rich and curly and burly activity. But also it has some of the sapwood, which is closer to the outer edge of the tree towards the bark. And oh. on, and it also has its own activity and it's beautiful, but it's high contrast, like blonde against this like deep like red. And I love it. And so instead of doing two different pieces of material. I just try to find handle material that already has that activity in it and then use it in a way so that it has that effect, but it's all actually just one piece of material. Um, And so part of the reason I'm regretting maybe bringing it up is because now I feel like a hundred people are going to start doing that, buying up all the material. (laughs) You'll be able to get it. it. Yeah, Yeah, no, I'm boring you is so nice. I've gotten pieces like that and it's like, that two-tone situation is always really nice. I love it. Yes. So I got that. Uh, and I'm getting ready to ship that out soon. Um, what's going well, Oh, so I don't know how much I've really talked about it on the show, but I've been working on an apron design specifically for, for me as a bladesmith and knife maker. And we still don't really have a name for it, but we're getting close to getting ready to launch it. They're, they're getting like the final, um, kind of like prototypes, um, put together and getting some samples sent out to people to try out and use and stuff. And, um, and so I'm really excited about that because it's a fucking cool apron. Uh, I feel like I'm wearing like, uh, like a superhero's uniform or something like that, you know? Um, and so I'm really excited to get that out and that's coming up, you know, in the next, I think the next couple of weeks, we're going to start launching those and talking about those more and sharing them out. Um, well, there's the name. There's the name, FCA, fucking cool apron. Well, I was trying to sell them on BAMF. You know what that means, right? No. Badass motherfucker. But Ah. (laughs) I don't think they were too excited about that. (laughs) I mean, I think they liked it, but they're like, "Mm, I don't know if marketing could really (laughs) push that So I guess Mal Messi is not a good idea, right? What is that? Mal Mal Messi. Messi? No. Mo Mo Messi. Mo Messi. Was that a dad joke? I guess. (laughs) That was a really rough. I didn't mean to be. I mean, I'm, I'm, like, I'm hating. My, I'm hating myself right now, but Can't I'm really hating myself for saying that. that. That's um, for Beacon. Mal play Messi. The, play the... <laughs> the first thing I actually thought of was the soccer player Messi. Mm. Uh, anyways, yeah. so any. <laughs> 
So that's going good. Um, the calendar, we got uh, a lot of the artwork lined up, and I think next week-ish we're going to be also putting that out and starting pre-sales for the calendar. This year's theme is Magicians of Mosaic Damascus, and so I got some heavy hitters in here. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, some, some makers that people are very uh, familiar with and others that uh, people are not um, but the the what I'm really looking forward to, or was trying to do with this year's calendar is try to get makers in it that have really done some innovative stuff and and have a really unique approach. I mean, a couple obvious ones would be like um, like Salem Straub or Jason Morrissey, but also like pioneers like uh, Steve Schwarzer. So we got a few we got some really talented people in there. And I'm excited to start pushing out the calendar and getting those. Um, into people's house or houses, probably most likely shops, honestly, and garages. Um, <laughs> and other than that, it's it just I got more work, standard knife making stuff coming down the line. And yeah, it's it's been a it's been a great week, Craig. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> nice, nice. Um, well, my week. Um, I have. Um, I literally got back to France last night. Because um, we we stayed in the UK a little bit longer, uh, we flew from Manchester, so we had to do a bit more of a journey to get to the airport. And the the the, the twins, the girls, they they've been on plenty of flights now, um, but Molly was sick on the flight, and it was like ah, oh, and it was everywhere, and it was like oh, oh man. no, yeah. So she was pretty delicate, so we got back late last night um, to a you know a freezing cold house. Um, it was horrible, but um, so today was a bit of sort of recuperation. Really, um, it's been yeah. We had to go to the hospital as well, for a scan for my wife. You know, just all run of the mill stuff. Just you know, just life. Um, but we did find out whilst we were um, whilst we were in the UK um, that I'm having a baby boy. It's going to be a boy, which is nice. Congratulations! That's exciting. So that's that's the full set. So yes, that that's enough for us. So yeah, we're very happy with that. Very happy with that. Oh. Oh, just just a, we've got somebody at the door. Let me open this door. Who could this be? We have a guest. Pear, can you hear me? Yes, Jeff, I can hear you. Craig and Mareko, you are all there, I guess. We are there. We are well in in body. I don't know about mind, but um, how are you? How? By the way, everybody, the listeners, this is Pear from Dharma Steel. and he's coming on to tell us all about the uh, the Chef Invitational, which is happening on Saturday. Um, which which you guys can obviously you know join us for because last year we did a we did a show didn't we pair last year where we had lots of fun we spoke to all of the makers that were sort of involved and um, there was just lots going on and I know this year you've got bigger plans so let tell everybody what's happening next Saturday oh it's uh, we are super excited because this time we have more things going on than ever we have had before so. There will be some exciting activities. We will have some forging going on. Uh, uh, Nate Bonner at NHB Knifeworks will do some forging demos for us. So that will be really interesting to follow. Yes. Uh, And of course, uh, using, um, I mean, having a a, a show for culinary knives, there will be some cooking too. and, and, And we will have some Italian cooking going on which is really interesting because well we all like italian food don't we we do so and I- what could possibly go wrong a live demonstration <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a brave man. Come on, Alfredo's a brave man. Come on, he's gonna make it. He's gonna make it fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. Unfortunately, I cannot taste that. Uh, but he's uh, supposedly he's going to do spaghetti alla carbonara and risotto al radicchio. But you know, it will be super exciting. Uh, so, uh, and of course, uh, on, on top of that, there will be many knives. Uh, we have uh, 20 knife makers to talk to. And uh, that will be really, really interesting. I know there will be a lot of interesting conversations uh, as it has been before. And some booths will be very busy and, uh, you know, with a lot of listeners and so on. We will also, on top of that, discuss some of the, you know, special things about Damasteel uh, knives and, and what, what makes a Damasteel knife and also how to take care of your Damasteel knife uh, and knife, culinary knife in general, hmm. you know, but, because that, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of people uh, that are using knives in their kitchen they are a little bit, you know, they wonder, how should I really take care of this precious thing I have here and, you know, to keep it in a good shape and so on. So Yeah, you know, that's one, about... of, one of the questions that we get every week from, from other makers. Um, basically, how do they explain to their customers how to look after these knives? Because, you know, a lot, a lot of customers are buying these knives. Maybe they're not, well, they may even be professional chefs, but they, they're certainly not makers themselves, a lot of them. So they don't know how to look after them and how to, you know, keep them in the best condition. So that would be really interesting to see, actually, for, for other makers to see, too. Yes, yes, I definitely believe so. And uh, so we will talk to some of the, the guys that have more experience about being, uh, well, working as chefs and how they have done, you know, how they did take care of their knives. Hmm. And, and hope, hopefully we can get some good, you know, advice on how to how to make that good, so to say. And uh, yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Last year was that. I mean, the three of us really enjoyed doing the show last year. We met some, you know, some great makers. And we had some great chats, and just seeing some of the work that these makers are making is, yeah, it's some of it's phenomenal. It's it's very very good. So if you're listening to this, everybody. This isn't at a, This is going to be a virtual event. So if you go to damasteel.se, you can get tickets. They're free. And then what you can do is it'll be next Saturday. I believe it's like 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. In, in uh, if you're in the East Coast, you can interact with all these people that you probably know, like uh, Quentin Middleton and Finkel Ferguson, and all sorts of uh, really great knife makers. You can watch the show. You can you know you can chat with these people. This is a great free event, and you get to see all the beautiful stuff that is going on with Damasteel. So if you are around Friday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, this coming Saturday afternoon, November 13th, 13th. you should, it's, a, I mean, it's like a no-brainer. I mean, yeah. you should definitely be here because it is a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, Damasteel have done a lot this year as well. You've had new uh, new patterns. Um, what's going on? Have you been sort of hampered by by COVID, or is it you know giving you time to sort of readdress things and maybe you know come up with some new stuff? What's what's happening over there at Darmstadt at the moment? Well, we haven't been able to travel so much, so there has been mm. a lot of things cooking, and there there will be some. We have launched some new products this year. We have a new Dama core with an RWL thirty four core, which makes a a mirror polished core. Uh, which is uh, we are looking forward to see more knives in that material we have new patterns also 
which are really interesting. Uh, the Nidhogg and the Fafnir are super cool patterns. And I'm looking forward to see more knives uh, coming out of these. I mean, there are not so many who have bought them uh, and made knives of them yet. So they are very unique as they are. Mm. And there are new things coming on for next year. And there are some really interesting things. Uh, but I can't say any more <laughs> about that. <laughs> you know, it's good job that this one isn't video, this podcast, because otherwise I'd bring you up on the big screen, I'd look into your eyes, put a bit of pressure on you, and get you to tell us all these little secrets. But maybe we'll keep that for next week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we better. <laughs> yeah, I think okay. so. I think so. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. So if you're listening um, and you didn't attend last year's, um, you missed out on a great event, and it's only going to be better this this year. So... Head on over um, and also check out Dharma Steel's Instagram account, which is Dharma Steel Lab, because um, if you're looking for any sort of inspiration, they post some amazing pictures of knives, all using Dharma Steel, of course, um, and there's some, some beautiful, beautiful stuff there. And you can go back, and if you want to get a feeling for what it's like, go back into the archives of this show and listen to the Dharma Steel event we did last year. It was, it, we had almost too much fun. It was yeah. so much fun. Everyone was was in great spirits, and it was really a great event. So, if you want, if you don't know, if you want to check it out, go listen to that episode, and then, you know, see us on the thirteenth. It's definitely, definitely a lot of fun. Fingal had me so, so feeling pet. a little underprepared last year. I feel like I should have yeah, a bottle yeah, of champagne, yeah. bottle yeah. of champagne on hand, or something like that. I There's, think so. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, you want to talk about <laughs> underprepared? My my ass. I mean, Fingles, Fingles. I think Fingles all ready to go. Fingles is yeah. all ready to go. We're gonna we're gonna have some um, some smoke and some lasers for next week. So when any of the sellers actually sell an item, we'll celebrate a little bit with them. I think we'll have some fun. <laughs> oh, that will be great. Yeah. So Pear, sounds great. If you're a maker. Um, and there's, you know, obviously there's plenty of makers listening to this show um, and they want to be involved and maybe they want to exhibit at the next show how does that happen? Are, are you sort of handpicking these makers? Because I know Jeff has given some hints that he'd love to be able to exhibit I mean, but you know, he, you know he hasn't been given the green light no yet. I mean, how I was, do makers uh, go about doing that? Not that I was going to brown bag it pair, don't worry I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a man, I, I am a, you know, not a, I'm not a barbarian We, we take bribes <laughs> Uh, well, hey. All right, all right. Here, good answer, good answer, Pear. Good answer. Send us an email. That's uh, the best way to get in touch with you, and we'll see what we can do. Uh, we we will uh, we will try to get people uh, involved in the show, and as much as we can, really uh, accommodate. So yeah. yeah, it's. I think it's a great thing for the community. I mean, it, it's a free event for viewers. It's, it's you know, it's free for the you know for the chosen exhibitors. It's yeah, you you guys do a lot for the community, so it really is appreciated. That sounds really good. Yeah, I, I, that is the one of the intentions, of course. So yeah, that's, and I hope that people, uh, knife makers and people watching is is enjoying this because, as you have said many times, it's fun mm. and it should be fun. That's yes, the point yeah. of it. You yeah. could be in your pajamas in your in your apartment and be at this Damasteel show talking to some of the best knife makers in the world. I mean, don't tell them you're in your pajamas. Sipping on champagne. <laughs> yeah, sip on. Yeah, that's the move. You little you little bump of caviar on your on your hand. A little champagne. You're in your pajamas. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna. It, it definitely will be fun, and we'll we'll put a lot of work in to make sure that it is. So, so Pear, just before you go, um, uh -huh. we've got a question for you. You need to clear something up for us because we all know that you, you're you in Sweden 
Um, the, the sixth happiest place in the, in the whole world, apparently. The sixth happiest country in the whole world. So the first question is, why are you guys also all so happy? And the second question is, is it Ikea? Ikea? <laughs> Ikea? How, how are we meant to pronounce this? We don't know. Okay. Uh, I think I start with the first one, uh, or the <laughs> second one, because that is easy. It's Ikea. Ikea. Oh, interesting. Okay. Ikea. 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 Yeah. Ikea. Okay. Why are we so happy? Well, I don't know. Sometimes I... Well, uh, it's much about freedom, really. It might sound strange, but we there, you know, there's a great deal of freedom, and and mm. you're, you know, people can do, well, sort of what they want, and we, of course, there is a plenty of nature, and 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 it's also a lot of nature focused, but it's also culture, so it's very, uh, it's. Uh, it's a lot of different things. It's a big variety. Uh, but of course, we are also a homogeneous country. Oh, this is getting complicated. <laughs> well, I think it's just because Damasteel is made there. Oh, there, there you we go. go. See, that's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> my God. My God. That's all you bring back. That's it. There we go. There we go. Well, look, we look forward to seeing you next week. And um, give our regards to the whole team there at Damasteel. And, and we hope it's going to be, well, we know it's going to be a great event. So, yeah, we shall see you next week. We'll see you. Yeah. Great stuff. Thank you very much, Pat. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Good Bye-bye. to see you. Bye-bye. Bye. That was cool. That was cool. Where were we? What, what, what were we talking about? We were doing... Um, I was talking about my week. Yeah. My week. Yes, we found out it's a boy. It's a boy. The full set we're going to have. So, yeah, we're, we're uh, very, very happy. Um, but we've come back now, and we've got just three weeks left in this house before we need to be out, oh my God. Uh, ready for the new house. So, <laughs> oh, we haven't even thought about packing up or anything yet, and it's just like, oh my God, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a hell of a hell of a job. So yeah, we're gonna have a busy three weeks coming up. Um, yeah, that's how. That's when that, you get that, family over to come help, right? Ugh, yeah. It. Well, yeah. I mean, forget we've got some it. family over here now, and yeah, but it's uh, oh, we got we've got a vent. You know, rent trucks and uh, oh, ah, just too much, too much to think about. Especially sure. when there's still so much work to be done in the new house. It's uh, Cra- are these there, things are sent to try us. Are there still parts of the old house that you've never looked at or seen? I remember yeah, you having well, the house. Yeah, this story. house that I'm in now. <laughs> yeah, um, I wouldn't say never seen because yeah, but there's certainly parts we just you know we close up and we never use. Yeah, right. um, creepy. <laughs> you know, most of them, but now just full of store, full of stuff where we just use it for storage. So okay. we got to climb in crawl spaces and all sorts and find find everything to to take with us. So uh, it's it's going to be a crazy th- few weeks. I'm not quite sure how we're going to do it, but um, but anyway, anyway, I'm back and I'm back to work. Um, on Wednesday, I'll be having my first one off Wednesday. So there's going to be a one off knife available oh, nice. on Wednesday. Um, so anybody who um, is on the mailing list will have first dibs on Tuesday night. Um, failing that, it will be for sale to the uh, general public on Wednesday. Um, and that's something that I hope to be doing more of going forward as well, that sort of one-off Wednesday. Hopefully one a week would be quite nice. But, um, you, you also need to make Kyle Heath a bottle opener. He's. I do. I need to 3D print him one, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So overall, it's been a good week. I at my way through the UK, um, so I'm quite happy. What was the, the best? Knife Talk is sp- oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Bring 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 Brian back. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. There we go. There we go. Um, sorry, what were you saying? I was going to ask, what's the best thing you ate when you were back in Wales? Ah, uh, because oh. you are you are a Gavon, you know. <laughs> you are a um, real fucking Gavon. Uh, I'd say it was probably not the most fancy of foods, but um, there's there's this place called the Bunch of Grapes, which is um, where my family live. It's it's a, it's a like a pub restauranty kind of thing. So it's sort of an upmarkety kind of pub, I suppose. Um, but they do, like you know, the traditional Sunday roast, um, which in the UK is, you know, very traditional and everybody has a Sunday roast on a Sunday. And it's, you know, it's a big joint of, of meat and lots of vegetables and all the rest of it. Um, we went to, we went there, the two Sundays we were there, we went to the same place and each time it was fantastic. It was, yeah. And it just, I don't know, it just makes you feel all warm and fuzzy, you know? It's nice. yeah, it's very comf- it's very very comforting kind of food, and um, it was very good. So yeah, I'd say that, and and just the fact that we had you know we had the girls with us, the twins with us, and they're they're just very used to being in restaurants. So you know they'll just sit there, and you know they don't make a fuss. They you know they're they're quite sort of tidy eaters. That's great. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's just really nice, and you know it's really nice when you finish your meal. You know people are leaving, and they're sort of as they're leaving, they're sort of complimenting us on you know how well behave the kids get the fuck out of here it it happened three times while we were away and we were just like yep we know what (laughs) a get at people are coming up to you congratulating what great parents you are listen i've got a mug that says the world's best dad and they don't (laughs) give them to anybody okay you need to earn this shit okay i don't this is some horse shit this is (laughs) all these people just they just keep coming up to me congratulating me on (laughs) what a great job i've done get out of here man (laughs) Yeah, it would be remiss of me not to have another one. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> yeah, Craig Rockwood Jr. <laughs> anyway, should, should we talk about knives? Yeah, That's not? sort of the reason we're here. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Um, okay, let's do some, maybe some questions. Hey, man. 
Can I ask you a question? The first one is from Lucky Irish Forgeworks. Um, hey, cuties, I've started forging integrals, and as such a host of issues arise, I'm really struggling to draw the heel of the knife out back towards the handle, as by the time I do that, it's already stretched too thin. Is there a good way to conserve material towards the heel so I have enough for a smooth transition? Hmm. Integrals. Mareko, what do you think? Uh, I would say, um, so usually, I, I'm going to guess that you're, the, the key to, I found that the key to forging integrals is to lar- start with larger stock. Uh, so you're not driving material down to upset it and create the bulk that you need for like an integral bolster. Um, it's already that thick. And then you're working to reduce the mis- rest of the material down to kind of a standard blade or bar stock form that then you can forge a knife from. Um, I've found the key for me is to um, get work. I, I start with, uh, God, I sent Jeff actually a, a diagram. I don't know how long ago. Lots, long time ago. A couple of years, number of yeah. years ago. Yeah, it's like four or five years ago now, it feels like. Um, but I was starting with a large rectangular stock. Usually from my chef's knives, I want the heel to be at least two inches, maybe two and a quarter at the max. Um, and so I'm already starting with a rectangular block of material that is about three quarters of an inch thick, which is where I want my integral bolster to be at the thickest point. And then... And and then it's how, you know, uh, it's, what is it, inch and a half tall. Um, So I already have some of that heel height um, just from the sheer height of the billet. And then the the length of it varies based on the size of knife I'm going to forge. And so I start by isolating and driving down material that's going to then become the bolster and the tang. Um, But... When I'm doing that, when I'm isolating it, I'm using like a fullering tool uh, on my press. So the bottom die is flat. The top die is like a fullering tool, tool, and it's driving it down. And so I get to maintain that heel height uh, or that height that I already have of about an inch and a half. And then I start drawing down that bulk of material that will become the blade. I start drawing it down to kind of a bar shape. But before it gets much thinner than a quarter of an inch, I do the work to draw that heel down to two inches to two and a quarter inches. Um, But the goal of that, and the reason I start tall already is so that you're already like almost there. You just got to do like what half an inch, maybe three quarters of an inch of material movement to draw that heel down. And then I go back to then drawing out the rest of the blade lengthwise and widthwise and all, all that kind of standard blade forging stuff. Uh, but the key that I found for me is to kind of start with some of your height already. Um, I, I have like, I have some one inch by one inch, uh, 1085. And that is not ideal for me to, to forge a two inch tall blade. It's possible, but it is a bitch. And what I do is I do a little bit of math, figure out how much material I need in general. And then what I do is I cramp, I, I heat the whole thing up and I smush it down height wise and I upset the material. And then I kind of start reforming it um, into basically like my block that I was saying is an inch and a half tall, three quarter inch thick and however long. And, and that way I've kind of preformed it. So even, and I've done that with round stock material too. Like I have one and a, one and a quarter inch, um, like crew forge V 
that again is not an ideal starting stock for me. I want some of that heel height already in my billet before I even start forging the blade out. Um, so I do a little work to reforge it into a more suitable starting shape, and then I forge my knife out, if that makes sense. Well, it does make sense. And I noticed that, you know, that when you sent me that uh, that diagram and I, I redid it uh, as a watercolor, the, the idea is is starting, basically you're starting as a, with a rectangle and then you're forging. Yeah. And, and it's the, it's always, it seems as though the question we get a lot and a lot, I get a lot is, it's always the transition of, the, of that right angle mm-hmm. uh, of the heel. And a lot of times when people, you know, forge it down from a one-inch bar and it's round or square bar or whatever, they're always kind of forging it out and it doesn't go all the way back. And when they forge it all the way back, it becomes too thin. And once you grind it down, it's a disaster. And then they end up cutting it out. And, you know, Nick Rossi was talking in his video, uh, one of his in his uh, series that he can always tell when someone, you know, ran out of room and then they had to like cut into the, uh, the, the heel because it should be, he believes it should be in 90 degrees. And I think that there's a lot more to do with besides, I mean, your idea makes it a lot easier. If you, if you're starting with a rectangle, you already can kind of insize that transition that 90 degree transition. A lot of this is blacksmithing issues. Yep. And if you guys start taking blacksmithing classes and you understand how to learn how to move material, it doesn't become as it doesn't become as difficult. It doesn't become as difficult to understand. Uh, other tricks are, you know, you can once you've kind of started to make that transition, you can put it into a vise facing down, and you can actually forge into that. Uh, you can kind of forge into the that corner, and then actually pull some of that material out. There's a there's a lot of blacksmithing issues that bladesmiths or people who wanted to learn how to forge knives just they don't want to do and if you take some rudimentary blacksmithing classes you'll kind of get a better understanding of how material moves yeah material management yeah because i mean it's a power hammer leaf i mean it's really like when we were doing leaf i mean if you learn how to do a leaf if you can forge a leaf you understand how to you know make those transitions and i would highly suggest learning how to forge leaves uh, even small leaves, and then you'll see how you move the material back to make uh, like a spade or or something like a you know different aspen leaves or different types of leaves, and then it's the same thing. It really is. There we go. There we go. Do you want to take the next one? Yes. Sharpen socks says. Here's a question. I hate using an angle grinder to cut out blade profiles. Some use metal portaband saws with a homemade table, but that seems a bit small. Is a plasma cutter a good idea? Um, a bit small. Um, I mean, if you're going over, I mean, I most people are not going over sort of a two-inch heel when it comes to you know the thickness of the stock. So with a bit of sort of turning things round, you can always, you know, you can always sort of get it in that was that five six inch, um, yeah, four inch. Four inch, maybe. <laughs> Depends what the weather's like. Um, <laughs> Pear's gone. Pear's gone. And we waste. We waited a long enough time. I don't know if they're listening anymore. So now here come the dick jokes. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, there's there's usually enough room to get to get around there and, and do said. what you need for you know. Unless you're doing you know maybe I don't know swords or huge cleavers. I don't know. But um, I back back maybe a year or two ago, I was thinking, oh, I'd love to have a plasma cutter. Um, but. 
I don't know. They just seem like there's a lot of cleanup work on there. Where you know, for the time it takes to use a you know a metal porter band and then get to the grinder, um, whether it's worth it, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't see a problem using a, a, a porter band. Um, it, for me, it was a huge upgrade over using an aggro grinder, and they're not expensive. You know, they're really not. Um, the blades can be, um, and especially if you're using uh, stainless with a porter band, it'll it'll chew it'll chew through those teeth. But um, yeah, I I think that they're great. They're, they're cheap. They save a lot of time. I love them. Sure. I definitely like the idea of buying the material close to the thick the 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 the, the depth of your knife. So if you have a two inch yeah. knife, you buy a two inch material. So you are actually using the saw a lot less, and you can get. I mean, obviously, if you're buying like a you know a six inch wide piece of steel, you, you, six inches by like thirty six inches, you're not going to be mm. like schlubbing that around on a. Yeah. Band. But you could use your angle grinder then just to cut strips, couldn't you? That, and then once you've got the strips, then you're away. What I do is I ha- I usually get two-inch material, and then I have some six-inch material coming in. The six-inch material, you just got to, like, you lump it out with the t- with the, with the the grinder. You just don't really have much of a choice, you know, mm. unfortunately. I mm. know that some people have stuff like the Langmuir systems. I know Jonathan Porter has one of those... Uh, and he uses it, and he loves it. I mean, he uses yeah. it for all sorts of things, and uh, a lot of people use those. And I think uh, I think Brian's got one too. Brian House mm. has got one too. But uh, yeah, I, mean, I think it's one of those things like any sort of CNC machine. It's not just a case of I'll buy the machine; it'll do the job for me. That you know, there's a lot of setting up, a lot of trial and error to dial things in, mm. and you've obviously got consumables that are going to change these things over time. So, if you're doing a lot of them, I think it probably does make sense. Um, but, you know, you just need to make sure you're fine-tuning all the time, all the time. If you're just doing, you know, just a couple a week, you're probably going to be playing with that machine a lot more than you need to be. That's that's sort of my feeling on it. I'm always surprised at how inexpensive getting things water jet cut are, you know, mm. even in regards to the overall amount of labor you're doing. So that's something, even if you're saying, well, I only make, a, you know, 25 knives a, a year or something like that. I mean, it's a pretty slick move, pretty slick yeah, move. Sure. I, you know, I was reading it as like a handheld plasma cutter instead of like a whole table setup. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty ah, accessible, right. okay. uh, accessible price. And I, I imagine if you're trying to like repurpose old saw blades or something like that, that's not necessarily something you can throw on the porter band. You could break it down like generally uh, using like an angle grinder and then take it to the porter band. But then you probably have to also put it through some like annealing processes, so it's easier mm. you can cut easier on the porter band. But I think you know plasma. I mean, I ha- I honestly have no idea what a plasma handheld plasma cutter costs. Um, but I know you gotta what is it? You gotta have like probably at least two twenty, and you gotta get a compressor to work mm. with it, right? Jeff, you would know yeah. better than me from yeah. the Fab Shop. I mean, I don't. You might be able to probably get get away with one twenty, maybe. Oh, yeah. I have no. I don't yeah. know exactly, but yeah, you need a compressor and they're consumables. And you know, we you bring up the point that I always think about, which is, you know, the heat from the plasma cutter. You're gonna have to do some normalizing. I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, if it's gonna get, it's gonna get over you know, a certain temperature, you're probably going to have to normalize. And I always get really worried, especially if you're doing like with stainless in regards to sure. what you'd have to do afterwards, obviously. Yeah. I was talking to Porter. Porter was saying that his system, he, he's got water underneath or something like that. And you can, you know, it's so cold once it's done, you never have to worry about that. Hmm. But 
I don't know enough about it. Or you give yourself enough room that you could just grind out. And yeah, and that was, yeah, that was going to be my next point. Is If you are cutting with a handheld plasma cutter, you, you don't want to be right on the edge of your profile. You want to probably give at least an eighth of an inch or maybe more room, especially if you're new at it, maybe a quarter of an inch um, around the outside of your, at least along the cutting edge of your profile so that you can grind past that melted i mean basically you're melting the material and that's that's nothing you want on the edge of your cutting uh, of your knife um but yeah that that would be i i think a plasma cutter isn't necessarily a bad idea especially if you're going to be repurposing materials like old bandsaw blades and stuff like that it could be a quicker way to get at the material and start cutting things out but i do think you know if you are getting in strips I think just use a porter. I, that's what I've done in, in my experience is just using a porter band to cut cut away the material. It's just it's about just figuring out the proper layout to con- conserve material and also suit the machine you're cutting it on. But or yeah. or just get better yeah, with the sense. angle grinder. Do you want to take the next one, Rocco? Yes, I do. Uh, the next one is from Minutemen EDC. It says, hey, cuties, I got a question. When doing stock removal, is there still a need to normalize, or can you go straight to quench temper? Thanks, guys. Love the show. I think it goes back to the previous question, really. It depends how you're cutting out your, your profiles, I suppose. Um, Certain yeah, steels can... are ready to heat treat. Certain steels aren't, I believe. I'm sure. under the impression. Yeah. Like, I mean, I when I use 1084, I always normalize it. Always. And it's, mm. I've always had good experience with it, but I'm under the impression with, like, stuff like 52100, you, you don't have to do that. Am I wrong? Uh, I don't with 52100. Sure. Um, and that's the only carbon steel that I use, really. Um, yeah, I don't, and I've never really had an issue. Right. I I would probably at least do, like, a... A spheridized anneal or subcritical anneal on the material um, if you stock remove and do all that business. Um, and and then just do a simple, like, a short, like, half-hour cycle or something like that at 1250, especially uh, for high carbon. When it comes to stainless, that's a whole different game that I'm not familiar with. I would advise um, either talking to somebody who does know it or... Go check out our friend Laren Thomas's book. Maybe get, ask for it for Christmas or whatever. Shopping shopping season is upon us soon, so um, it's a, we've got to get him back on. It's the a show, great resource because he it was such a, a great show when he was yeah. on. And you know, we have so many heat treating questions. And my heat treating is I do what works for me. I don't necessarily whether it's the best or not, sure. but I know it works for me. So yeah, it may be it may be good to get him back on if we could. Yeah, we almost had him on, but he was going on some camping trip or something. <sighs> Spending time with his family. What a jerk. No, <laughs> but do, I, I, we, we, a commitment, eh? We reached yeah, out to him, fuck? and he was just like, "Well, I'm going to be camping somewhere." So that's back the listener voice again. <laughs> okay, <I did. laughs> um. Uh. What else we got? Um. Anonymous. Um. Oh, why could they be anonymous? Oh. Um, hey, Knife Talk. I was wondering if you could talk tips on how to hold blades while gluing up handles on stick tangs and full tangs of different size blades. Also, how do you hold the blade on stick tangs so there's downward pressure, etc.? What kind of glues you use, etc.? There's lots of etc. in this. Yeah. Are you fitting blades up tight in a slot or filling a, ma- a larger cavity with epoxy, 
etc. Special <laughs> clamping techniques, etc. Yeah, etc. I know why this person's anonymous now. <laughs> God. Etc. 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 I'm with you. I'm. With, don't worry. Your secret is safe with me, my friend. Let's break this down. Um, if you could talk tips on how to hold blades while gluing up handles on stick tangs and full tangs of different size blades. Um, not quite sure what he means there with regards to full tangs, but um, holding blades while, while gluing them up. I mean, what do you guys do? I mean, I got advice on hidden tangs if, I, if you do guys it. want. Okay. I would go check out Eleon Blanc's Instagram. She has a great clamping system <laughs> that she came up with. And basically she has um, some uh, what looked like maybe two by four scrap material, uh, wood material that she cut out the profile of the knife. Um, what I've seen before is people like use a quick grip clamp and just clamp it and just clamp the tip with maybe a little bit of wood at the tip. But that has always sketched me out. But what she's done, which I think is super smart, is she cuts out a profile of the knife that needs to be clamped up. And, you know, maybe she's got a set pattern design. If you got a set pattern design, then this is easy. You know, you just need one uh, profile cut out and then you can just anytime you're gluing something up but anyways it supports the blade not just at the tip but all around along the spine and the cutting edge it also keeps it from potentially twisting off because it's capturing it around more of the blade rather than just at the tip and so that also kind of and you could i mean now that i think about it you could actually maybe drill out like a half inch hole so that the tip isn't actually in contact with the edge or with the with the wood and and and, and so it, that pressure is kind of displaced across the spine and the cutting edge of the knife. And then at the bottom, she just keeps the handle material square. Um, and then, it, and this is all again in a quick grip kind of setup um, or the like. And and then just closes it up. And I think, I mean, in the future, if I'm doing a non-integral. Um, that is definitely the way to do it. Um, I really like it a lot. I think it's super smart. And what's odd is that I've never seen it before, and I think it's brilliant. You know, so I'm that's looking what I at it right about. now. Yeah, and I've done this before. You have. So you, you nice. Yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's uh, you basically just trace out on a piece of wood the first two inches of the tip of your knife, cut sure. it out, so that piece of wood. It's got a square back, and then it fits the profile of your knife. So when right. you put it in the, it's clamping down. Yeah, I mean, mm. it's awesome. No, it's great. I've seen people actually use uh, those those uh, caulk guns, and they'll take they'll take a grinder and cut off, uh, or they'll make like a piece that fits in, and then they'll use the the pump action to kind of like be the compression. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I've also used uh, file guides. Like I'll make a file. I'll put a file guide over the blade. And mm, then I'll sure. have two pieces of two clamps holding onto ah. the file guide, and then a piece of wood underneath the bottom of the of the of the handle, and then I can kind of use that to be the compression too. Yeah, there's a there's a good move, but that yeah, this Elaine LeBlanc move is tight is a tight move. Mm. Smart stuff. Yeah. Um, also mentions for full tangs as well. Um, I, I I don't really see what the issue is uh, gluing up full tangs because. Yeah, I'm not quite. I don't quite understand the question in that respect. Um, but um, for a full tang, um, I don't use any sort of clamping as such. I use uh, Corby bolts, which gives me that sort of mechanical fixing. 
um, but I will also use just a couple of spring clamps because um, that serves two purposes of um, one holding things in place whilst I do the Corby bolts, uh, but also holds the the blade off any sort of workbench or wherever I'm leaving it to set to dry. Right, um, and I just put some you know, sort of greaseproof paper underneath. Stick them on the spring cramps. It uses a sort of stand, if you like. Um, yeah, simple as that, really. One thing, one thing I will say that a lot of people don't realize, and I learned this in you know fabrication, is you your bolts bolts are not clamps. So mm, you yeah. don't want to <laughs> tighten something down. The bolt isn't meant to be the thing you tighten tighten to make compression. You want to clamp everything together, and then you want to cinch the bolt up. So it meets the compression without going sure. crazy. That's why people break things off all the time because they yeah. seem to think that the bolt is meant to be the clamping system. It yeah, isn't. They're cranking too hard. Yeah. 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 You, you, you get it to where it's supposed to be. You, what I do with Corby bolts or pins or whatever is I get everything in loose. Then I clamp everything down and then I hand tighten them until they're just snug. Snug up to the end and then I leave it all alone. I think mm-hmm. there's this weird misconception that like bolts and in, in them in and of them themselves is the clamping system no they're not it's meant to meet it's meant to meet up and, and be at the tightest point but your clamps are what's going to get you there yeah 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 and if anything but by, by doing those, those up too tight you may sort of it depends what material you're using but you may get some sort of bow in that end as well by doing it too tight right so, yeah, and shearing off corby bolts Ugh, and when you got a pile of glue is for the birds. It is for the birds <laughs> digging it out and then getting a little thing to knock the other part out. And that's for the yeah. birds, man. Don't, Don't do cheap it, out man. on really cheap brass ones because they're so soft. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 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 All Corby bolts are not made the same, guys. I've actually yeah. had recent. We talked about Corby bolts a couple of years ago. I got some Corby bolts where the thread is like so thin and so little and so puny that it's just like, why did you even send these to me? <laughs> I mean, it's like, what is, it was so bad. And then, and then you got to find someone who makes good Corbys that you like and then go with them. But, but know that, you know, some of these Corby people are not good. And the one thing is PS, PS, PS is make a measuring stick or like a little pin so you can figure out on the female end how deep the hole is. Because sometimes they machine them out and it's, it goes past the shoulder. So if you're grinding everything down, all of a sudden you see a hole. It's because the fabrication of the Corby bolts was incorrect, and then you'll see a little bit of a hole. It's because they've machined them wrong, and then that's yeah. a drag. Then pull them out. You, you know a good hack for making that measurement, measurement, Jeff? Go ahead. Calipers. Usually when you open up your calipers, there's a, a stick or a rod that comes out the backside. Yeah, the depth bit. Yeah, yeah and so you can just measure using that. I have I have a hack on how to get them out. Super duper easy. Okay, let's see. Um, if you get that hole, if you get that hole, and you know you got to pull it out, you drill. You get you got to get some. There are these uh, bits. That's they're screw removers. Oh sure. It's basically a, it's like a, it's like different sized threads, threaded uh, drill bits almost, but they're in reverse, and it looks like almost like a tap. I don't know what they're called. I think they're called. I think it's a screw out. Yeah, it's a screw extraction kit. Screw extraction kit. So you drill into the drill into that, then you get your screw extraction, and it should pull out. And especially if everything's all corbied up, all epoxied up, you should be able to pull it all out. Now, the most important thing is you drill it in, you put the screw extraction in there, you get it out. But before you do any of it, you put a clamp on, 
around wherever that you have to extract that Corby bolt is because you don't want to be jerking around and then you pull the whole fucking thing out. You can try to extract the screw. You put a couple clamps around where that screw is. You drill the little hole. You get your screw extractor out. Bingo, bango, bongo. Redrill the hole. Put in a new Corby bolt and... Bada bing. Whatever. What I don't know what the expression is. Bada bing. Yeah, that's right. That's it. Bada bing. Bing bong. That's it. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Every time he gets me with that. 15% off, you know it makes sense. And lots of you have done, because I get an email every time somebody buys stuff, um, like confirmation from combat, every time they use the, the code. And lots of you are. So yeah, keep doing that and uh, keep making those savings. Uh, Jeff, do you want to do one more maybe? And then we'll go to... Uh, Something maybe a bit more interesting. We got tough scenario. <laughs> Wait, you think we're, we're being too helpful here? Is that what you're, what you're trying to say? We've only been doing this for four years, every yeah. week. I mean, <laughs> you know, come on. Yeah, we ha- we do have tough scenarios, and we do have listener feedback, but here's one more question from... Oh, this one comes from J.D. Eiler. You know J.D. Eiler? He's a good dude. Uh, hey, cuties, any tips for bulking up some of that muscle on your non-hammering arm? I don't want people to think I've been cranking my hog all weekend. I don't want people to think I've been cranking my hog all weekend after hammering some knives out. Cheers. Just got to do some switch hitting. Uh, that's all. You got, oh, there you go. Switch hitting, yeah. Some push-ups. Do you, guys, do you guys do that? I don't talking about cranking your hog. I mean, I'm talking to you. Do you, do you switch arms? <laughs> When you when you're forging, do you no. have, do you have a switch? Are you arms? lefty no. or you're right? You're I mean, you're lefty or righty, right? Right. Okay. I mean, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I have forged left-handed. You have? Yeah, sure. Ugh. For a while, I was going back and forth, um, but now I don't worry about it. Yeah, for some reason, you don't see a lot of people with one very large arm and one very small arm. Uh, you clearly really haven't looked that. at Neil Kamimura's arms. <laughs> Well, no. I mean, how can I? I'm, I'm staring deeply into his eyes and his long, flowing long, hair. hair yeah. I'll notice his fucking arms. I'm gonna look, look at his arms. I can't tell. But uh, one thing I will say is, is I hated it when I first started in, um, and I got terrible tennis elbow in my managing my managing hand. It's called the non-hammering arm. It's called your managing hand because you're using the tongs. And my, I got terrible. Terrible tonight, uh, tendonitis in the tong hand, and that was kind of a drag. So, hmm. fair enough. Um, so yeah, we don't really have any tips, I suppose. Just do a fucking um, push up for Christ's sakes. Take take up table tennis with the other arm. I don't. I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. use your hammer. Um, have you ever seen uh, Indian club exercises like workouts? It's like an old school, like nineteen twenties kind of thing. They used to do them with like these bowling pin shaped things, but you, they've come back into uh in vogue and if you got you know a decent sized hammer you can practice your uh indian club exercises using the using your hammer yeah you do a little do a get some kettlebells or something jd Tyler. Yeah. christ just we'll just crank the hog whatever you want to do <laughs> jeez yes steve at moonshine metalworks has written in again oh boy. Oh, again. um questions with an s 
Um, also, by the way, um, Steve would have been at Alex Pohl's book launch last Friday. Um, I did have an invite. Thank you so much, Alex. But I, I couldn't make it because we just had so much to do in the UK. But um, I hope it went well. It looked like it went very well from Instagram. Um, and if anybody hasn't seen it, um, the book is now available from Alex um, called Blacksmith. Um, it looks it looks special. So go take a look. Anyway, this question. If you have a knife that needs a good sharpening, uh, be it a cheap store-bought thing, an old favourite, or even a custom knife that just needs a tune-up, what's your go-to method for putting an edge on it? Do you whip out the stones, or you run it over a 36 grip belt on your broadback? A 36 grip belt on the broadback, eh? Um, and he's got question the second. Uh, in your opinion, what's the best way to store your knives in the kitchen, and how do you actually store yours? Do you have cases with custom foam cutouts for each blade, or do they just rattle around in a drawer? Um, with the rest of the cutlery. Steve, so, Steve's either in for 36-inch uh, belts or whipping out them stones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 36 grit belts. 36 grit belts. Um, so um, if you have a knife that needs a good sharpening, um, oh, and just touching up, um, what do you guys do? I mean, I just, if you know, I do all my sharp, my main sharpening on a, on a Tormac, um, but, you know, there's plenty of those kind of devices around that do, you know, the small sort of, water stone i suppose um but if it's just a touch-up i just got a, a, a really thick um quite recently quite a um ceramic um rod um, how thick it's is quite it thick. it's about two inches but yes it's about two inches in diameter it's got it's My got goodness. some girth jesus um, christ <laughs> and um that lives in the kitchen next to the knives and i do the whole you know the whole gordon ramsay every time i use one just a quick sp, 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 and i'm finding they're not really needing a sharpening um you know for for, for months um, I say for months, I've only had this a, a little while, but I can tell that, you know, I, I won't really need sharpening with these. Um, I'll just give it a quick, you know, touch up occasionally and we're good. Um, what about you guys? Um, you've got knives that need touch ups. What, what are you doing? I, I'm hitting it on my broad back. Uh, I, if, if it needs some serious, like if the geometry really needs to be readdressed, I'll hit it with a 120 belt. Otherwise, if it's in decent condition, I'll just go straight to a 220. And then I will hit it on a stone really quick, just kind of strop it, um, and kind of, oh. yeah, clean up a little bit, and then and then it's good to go. Well, the stuff at, in my house, I like that ceramic cone a lot, and you know, the, I think that the misconception is with a lot of people is if you let the knife go until it's like a butter knife dull, if it's like super duper dull, then you need to go to the you know like getting off the stones and get squared away. But like, yeah. I am surprised this one knife I've been using for two years. I have never had to bring it back into the shop to clean it up. I just, I give it a lick on the, I'm constantly giving it a lick every so often with the ceramic cone. And I am surprised at how much it just cleans, cleans the knife up. I'm very yeah. surprised. Um, and speaking of which I, I have been using the Tormek lately. My favorite thing with the Tormek is that leather wheel. That's how I finished. Tomac. Tomac. What did I say? Tomac. They're very good. They're I said Tormac. Didn't I? Mac or Mac? I say Tormac. Mac. It must be. It must be your your strange twinge. Of, uh, <laughs> I use my Tormac. My Tormac. Hey, guys, I'm using my Tormac here. <laughs> I get the leather Tormac out and I give it a whatever. I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. I'm still thinking. <laughs> hey, I'm Tormac in here. <laughs> <laughs> Ay, your vault. Yeah, that's it. 
Okay. And the question the second. Um, in your opinion, what's the best way to store your knives in the kitchen and how do you actually store yours? Um, do you have cases with custom foam cutouts like, like a Bond villain would have? Um, no, I don't. <laughs> um, magnets for me. Um, make sure they're very dry before they go up. Um, but yeah, magnets so I can, they're always just visible. I can grab them quickly. They're safe out of the way the kids. Um, they're not rattling around with, you know, blades touching other blades. Um, yeah, that's what works for me. I've got a magnet with a sort of a wooden veneer over it, you know, so it's quite soft. It's not going straight onto, you know, a metal magnet for scratches. It's got like a wooden veneer and they seem to work quite well. And we, I've got a few meters of this actually in the kitchen. So, oh, you know, look at it's, you. E- it's easy, you wow. know. Look at you. Hmm. A anyway, meters. a few meters. What, what about you guys? What do you do? What do you do, Marekko? Uh Well, I basically, I have one beater chef's knife. That I use to uh, basically I beat the shit out of it doing dumb stuff, and then I have my nice chef's knife that was uh, one I built myself, gave to my wife as a wedding gift. Uh, so our kitchen, our kitchen's weird. It's got like in the corners, there are these tiny little drawers that are maybe only <laughs> like four inches wide, but they go the full depth of the counter, um, mm. and so I just. You know, the chef's knives stay in there, and then the other smaller knives actually go in a different drawer, and they all have their own little... So they have a drawer each. That's more indulgent than the custom foam cutouts. They have their own drawer, each one. Exactly. And so the small knives all have their own individual, like, little, just simple paper sheaths, um, because they're also just little beaters that we don't kind of give a shit about. Um, And... And so they live over there with like the kitchen shears and other stuff. I, I would like to get a magnetic block, um... But I don't really have a good place for it. A drawer block would actually be more ideal, um, more efficient way of kind of keeping those things stored. Um, I did see that Nick Offerman, Offerman Workshop, just put up some magnetic bars that they're doing in their workshop. Um, look pretty cool. Oh, shit. I forgot to turn off my air compressor. Uh, off to Jeff. I'm going to so turn off my mic. I, you know, I've I've done that, but by my I've done that too. The compressor is annoying. I I actually you can get these um, inserts that fit inside your the drawer, and then you just measure the you measure the drawer, and then you cut the inserts down. IKEA do them. IKEA. That's not how you say it. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't say the IKEA. EKR. So, I, you, I think the, you confused me. Now I don't know. I have no idea anymore. So the, I, let me call him back up. Give the me the E is kind of flat, and the A is <laughs> emphasized. All right. So there you go. So I, 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 you. So that's the my favorite. I don't like knife blocks. To me, number one, I don't like stuff on the counter. I hate stuff on the counter. Sure. And the other thing is, I'm always thinking there's such gluck in there. Like I can't help but think mm. that there's. <laughs> Yeah, Gluck is the right word. I actually have I, the the one knife block that I like that I would get is it's like a it's like a it's like a rectangle and then the inside facing up, not at an angle, straight up and down. And they have like wooden sticks or sticks inside, like tons of sticks. Yeah, so you can yeah. put a ton of different ones in. That would be the only type of block I'd probably get. But at the same time, like I don't want all that shit out there. I do like I have one drawer and I got this it's like a long it's like a long insert and then I measure the drawer I cut the insert down I get everything in there and that's what I do and nothing's rattling around and 
you know, but I don't like, I, I'm always afraid of those magnets. I'm always afraid something's going to happen. Something's going to fall on someone's head or you're going to have the, you're going to have the, uh, you know, the mixer going and the vibrations are going to like make it run down the side of the thing. I'm, I'm not, magnets are like, those scare the shit. They're they're pretty, they're pretty strong. It would would take some serious effort to pull pull Mm. those off. But Steve, your biggest concern really in the kitchen is still your coffee. (laughs) So sort the coffee out first, then maybe move on to your knife storage. You'll be fine. A spoiler alert, I got a message from Alex Paul that he might be coming to, he and the, and the, the Forge guys might be coming to Maker Camp next year. And he wants to do a head-to-head competition against me, the modern Forge guys oh. in the Forge. So I told him we're not really, like, competitor guys, but I'm like, I mean, if you're game, I'm game. <laughs> Talk to Cliff and John, but, I mean, you know, they want to they want to have some sort of, you know, friendly grudge match. I mean, I'm not mad about it. He's a big dude. There's some guns in that shop, I can tell you. Jeez. Whoa. So shall we do some... Um... What have you got? I got uh, listener feedback. I got tough scenarios. Uh, I'll just read you a couple of the listener feedbacks. I do love the listener feedbacks. Um, hmm. Rock Durant. Remember Rock Durant? He was the guy who a couple weeks ago said that this is a this is an update plus a little question. He was the one who said that his I guess his girlfriend or his wife's parents don't like him, and he wanted to oh, yes, he wanted yeah, to know yeah. what we should. We told him what he should do, and we I think we gave him yeah. a lot of different answers. I think I don't think we helped him at all. Is he now single? That's the, he that's says. The hey, question. I want to give you a small update. I've decided just not to talk to her parents until we have a mutual <laughs> respect or understanding. Um, but I have another f- question for you. Yeah, so he's so he listened to – one of us said do it. None of one said don't do it. The other one said do it. And I'm like, I don't listen to any of you guys, which I appreciate, Rock. You're the man. Uh, but he slings it into a question. He goes, I have another question for you. I'm trying to build my following. So is it worth giving away knives as a way to boost your business to get more attention? Or is that ultimately devaluing your hard work that goes into my knives? So he's trying to build his following. What do you think about giving knives away? I mean, can you? It's it's right. easy to say that I'm not a fan of it, but um, you know, it depends, I suppose, where you are in your career, and and I I don't know. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one because yeah, it's certainly devaluing your work, uh, but I suppose if you know, it depends who you give them away to. You know, uh, um, yeah. There's, there's too many variables involved there for me to give sure. an answer, I think. I think if you're going to give work away nowadays, like, I mean, quote-unquote influencer market, I mean, that's what you're doing. You're hoping that somebody's going to see your knife being used by such and such person, and it's like going to encourage or influence their their purchasing decisions. Um, but I think more and more this influencer marketing is a more commonplace thing, and I think it's it's very reasonable Especially if you can afford to give something away, uh, maybe you're still working full time and this knife thing is still a, a side project or whatever. Um, if if you want to do that, I think you you got to be clear about what you're hoping to get out of it. Though you can't just throw something at somebody's direction and hope for the best. Because I've honest, and this is coming from my own experience, it doesn't work to just throw shit at people. I, you know, I've had some hmm. some of the most well known celebrity chefs using my knife did any sales come from that absolutely fucking not zero and so i think if you're going to have somebody doing that maybe you have just some very it doesn't have to be super stringent but just be like hey i'd love like you know in exchange for the knife 
I'd love like your feedback and and a couple a few posts of you using it for your cooking or something like that. But honestly, I in my experience that is not where my sales have come from. I, I honestly I was surprised when I started doing. I think I mean before I really blew up, I I got to like twenty five thirty thousand followers on my own, um, and and a lot of that was from being a, a kind of a resource or helpful uh, to people by showing some of my process. And, and, and then it was kind of a grassroots wet roundabout way that people were started sharing their comments or sorry, sharing my posts and, you know, not always sharing to other knife makers, just sharing to other people and friends who are interested in the, and they pass it on. And, and the, it just kept slowly growing over time. Um, it's not easy. It's, it's a, it's a slow thing. It's a slow burn, but I found that, it, yeah, in my experience, the, the, the greatest, the greatest way to build uh kind of loyalty and respect for you and your work, it has been through being helpful to other people in sharing, at least for me has been in sharing my process. Um, as well as, you know, if, if you're, I don't know what kind of knives you're making, if you're making chef's knives or hunting knives or whatever, but, you know, show the knives that you're making being put to use and put to work or show your process of how you're making those knives. Because like we've talked about in recent episodes, another big reason why people are buying your work is because they like you. And if you're doing somewhere and it's and it's awkward getting in front of the video and talking and stuff like that, but you got to start somewhere. But it, you know, the more you share some of that personality, I feel like the more you come across ideally in a positive light and people are more interested and willing to, or wa- yeah, willing to buy work from you. Um, hmm. But I've, I've, ne- <laughs> I've never found um, that throwing a knife at somebody um, has, has ever worked. Um in generating sales and interest and excitement. In fact, you know, the whole thing with Joe Rogan, like he paid for those knives. He waited two and a half years to get those knives. And, you know, and he, and that's, you know, it's a very unique thing, but that's the kind of customer, even if it's just like somebody in your local area, you know, that's the kind of person you want promoting you. Cause they really, not because they got something from you for free, but because they really truly love and appreciate your work. Hmm. Good point. Good point. What have you got, Jay? I don't think that. I think that. I think marketing is different when you're in business than it is when. I think that the mindset we have is that everything counts and that you have to see a return on everything. Sometimes it doesn't work, and you know I try to rather see it as marketing, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't work. I don't. I don't nickel and dime every transaction I make. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not good. And you just have to feel what's good for you. Uh, in regards to devaluing your work, I don't think it devalues your work. I don't think it devalues your work at all. I think that you also, I think it's hard It's hard to figure out something to do. Maybe you got a guy who does a nice job. Maybe he's a friend of yours, got a lot of followers, and maybe he can help you out. I mean, I don't think, it, I don't think there's any problem with that. I try not to like... I try not to think about every single transaction and nickel and dime every decision I make because it's like you you know you get crazy 
uh, you can give a couple knives away. It's not the end of the world. I mean, you can also budget yourself out in terms sure. of budget out how much you give away. And like we do that here in regards to what we give away for, you know, charity events or something like that or something special. Or if I decide I want to give something to someone, I just do it. And I, I try not to think about like, you know, the exact return on every single one. Sure. But yeah. Okay. Well, what do you think, Craig? Sorry. I I went first there. I I said. Um, There's lots of variables there, isn't there? I mean, if you're doing it solely with the purpose to gain more business as opposed to, you know, giving, you know, buddies who've maybe helped you out in the past as a gift, you know, that's very different. But if you're doing it solely to um, get a return on it, um, I think it could be be very difficult. It could be very difficult. You need to find the right person, and that right person has probably been offered – similar by other people in the past um so yeah it can be difficult that's all i'm saying tough scenarios answered honestly or phony do we have any reads we need to do before that um i tell you what let's talk we, we, we talked about even heat previously we, we played a jingle for them um, but what i didn't say is that we can actually get you a discount on an even heat we can get you 75 dollars off and free shipping in the u.s um, which in itself can be a fair amount. So um, if you head to um, knifetalk.net forward slash heat, that'll take you to Soul Ceramics, who are a distributor of even heats. You can spec up the machine exactly how you want it. Um, they'll get it in. They'll ship it off to you. But you get that $75 off and um, free shipping. So, yeah, knifetalk.net forward slash heat. It's down in the description. So wherever you listen to this podcast, there's going to be a link there. You can click that. It'll take you straight there and apply all these discounts ready for you. And CMC Forge wrote that I'm on my 11th week for my LB22, and it gets built this week, and I used your link, and I can't wait. Uh, All my stuff is now uh, all ready to go. I got the grinder. He's like, I buy all your stuff, the grinder, the belts, the sandpaper, the oil, Laren's (laughs) books. Now I got the oven. Glad it's all good stuff. You guys rock. So he's got his even heat on the way. Good stuff. Exciting. Exciting stuff. Nothing better than when you get that knock on the door, and you know it's a delivery for you, you know. Straight to the toilet. Straight to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> you have to set that up. You people don't remember that you go to the bathroom and you get your mail. I would love to see an unboxing video of you rushing into the bathroom. Yeah, you're a pervert. Sitting on the toilet. You are Hands a from pervert. <laughs> you're a pervert. Toilet cam. All right. <laughs> Tough scenarios answered honestly or phony. This one comes from Jake. Here's a tough scenario, guys. An eccentric customer asks you to ask you to make 200 knives in exchange for any single item of luxury. Do you take the offer? <laughs> do, you take, do you take the offer? And how large is the yacht that Captain Craig chooses? <laughs> <laughs> What's your single luxury item for 200 knives? For 200 knives, okay. Um, and it can be anything. Right, what's, okay. your, what's your luxury but, item that you do for it? Um, I go through these phases of, um, I say to my wife, it's deep learning. that I'm, I'm concentrating on this so much. It's bathroom talk. Um, That's what you call it when yeah, you go to the bathroom. I say it's deep learning, but it's, it's not. It's just my obsessiveness yeah. of getting into And at the moment, it's it's guitars and rare guitars. Um, so I'd get like a 59 Les Paul uh, there's there's not that many available on the market. Um, you're never going to lose value on them, and you know some of these are going for hundreds of thousands. You know, so a '59 Les Paul. Do yeah. you know Is that, that the first uh, year I saw Les, Les Paul play when we were when we were at the, when it was at the center one of the the third weekend the Center for Mental Arts. We went mm-hmm. to install the new gates at the Dakota Building in in on the Upper West Side, 
and John Ledford wanted us to go down to, to uh, this club uh, and see Les Paul. And we, so we watched Les Paul play, and it was he was amazing. And he was hmm. grotesque, and he was extraordinarily <laughs> politically incorrect and rude. <laughs> and uh, it might have been difficult. <laughs> it might have been difficult a couple years later, but he was great. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, he's... He, Certainly not the you know the the greatest guitarist, but um, you know he, he, that guitar has inspired you know legends, and there's you know there's a certain sound with that guitar, and you know people say you know the fifties Les Pauls were the, you know are the best, and you know they're they're rare, and then you know they're nearly seventy years old, and yeah, there's there's a certain um, I don't know something very special about an old Les Paul, so yeah, that's I'd I'd get a collection of them, so I'd make him as many sets of two hundred that he needs if I get a, you know a fifties Les Paul each time, I'd have a whole wall of them, it'd be pretty cool. What do you think, Mareko? What's your luxury item? I have no idea. <laughs> you don't like luxury at all. You don't like luxury at all. I struggle with it, for sure. Uh, yeah, I have no fucking clue. Nothing? Wouldn't you get, like, like the Broadback Ultimate oh, Kit? Oh, for fuck's sake. You know where they've got everything in the kit? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they do one of these kits, don't they? I'm sure they do. They do. Are we doing a bit? Are we doing an ad read now? Or are we answering me a question? I knew it was coming. Come on! Didn't see that one coming at all. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, they do. They have the super mega package coming up for their Black Friday. Super mega. Super mega. So start, uh, you know, preparing your ducats to be used on saving. You're actually going to save yourself five hundred and forty dollars. Let's see, their Black Friday sales between the 22nd and the 29th of this month here in November for uh, the Super Mega Package. And that includes the small wheel attachment, the upgrade to the Marco Platin, the disc, the slack, the integral grinding, the buffing arm, the 8-inch contact wheel. I mean, it's you got, a, you got like five machines in one right there with that thing. Uh, and then they also have a uh, coming up. For the blacks, the same Black Friday sale, they got the uh, Premium Plus package, is at three hundred seventy-five dollar discount. Um, also with the free Marco Platinum upgrade with the slack belt, the eight-inch and the long uh, platinum. Sorry, the eight-inch contact wheel and the long platinum. So make sure you're getting all your ducks in a row and getting ready um, to save yourself some money and get yourself the ultimate shop grinder because honestly i mean it, it literally is like five or six machines in one it's crazy is that broadbackironworks.com that's it that's the one that's where you want to go um, and then you can make yourself another 200 knives so basically you've got a money-making machine that you've got <laughs> you can make as many as you need you i'm not letting Mareko go you're coming up with an i know that you have this feeling about towards yourself that you're not entitled to to, you know, uh, you know, materialism and happiness, but you. This isn't full blast. We're not going all, you know. Fucking figure what on him you now. can't Come think on. of one thing. I mean, I can think of one thing. My wife sends me uh, 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 houses on on uh, a realtor, you know, on Zillow that she she likes. I would get a a, a new apart, a new house, get a new house. Okay, I mean, if that's a, I mean, yeah, it's a luxury. A, a, yeah, for me, it'd be a pretty sweet luxury. Yeah, I think. Okay, then maybe. You know, a, a rambler, like a three-bedroom rambler with a giant, like a nice 10,000, maybe 5,000-square-foot shop on, on 10 acres or something like that. That would be pretty fucking sweet. Nestled up against the hills and maybe a creek flowing through it. Viewing uh, Mount Rainier at sunset. That would be pretty sweet. God, 
this is this is like a Bob Ross painting. Yeah. I can see. You went this. from I don't want anything to very specific. Something very specific, very quickly. <laughs> well, I didn't know that was part. That was in the cards. I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> Listen, these questions are very f- flexible. We can do whatever that you can say whatever you want. Say I want to get a boat. It's our show. We, we're yeah. in control. <laughs> Jeff, your luxury. Oh, sorry, your house. Wasn't I get, it? Yeah, house. definitely. We get a. We get. An, can you just can you describe it for me? Is what, what's the view just, from I'm my bedroom window? It. Don't worry about that. I'm getting. I'm getting my wife a new house, and then uh, I might get a BMW. I like BMWs. I get a BMW. Uh, okay. This one is uh, anonymous. I'm working on a budget handmade chef knife. Does this defeat the purpose of handmade? I love giving people cutting performance, but price can be a big stumbling block. Also, how do you go about that without becoming known as the chief the cheap knife guy, wherein people would be reluctant to spend more money on higher finished finish levels and etc thinking of random batch drops with no ability to place an order of them thanks fellas so he wants to be the budget handmade guy but he's afraid of like the ramifications listen don't care what any other anybody else thinks if it works for you it works for you um we've all got we're all in different the three of us are in different lanes anyway um, and everybody needs to find their lane and what works for them. And I don't, I don't think anybody needs to sort of look down on anybody else just because you know they're doing what they're doing. If it works for you, you're paying your bills, and you know, and everything else works, do it. Don't let anybody else tell you what you should or shouldn't do. And I, I think it's, I think it's a good call. Well, hel- um, you know, lots of people are doing budget ranges now, so I, I think it's a good call if you can make it work for you. Go for it. I, hilariously enough, if you were to listen to the last like ten episodes of the Tough Dilemmas, you'd notice that the first question is always, "You're at this knife show, and the guy next to you is making shitty cheap knives." So this guy is probably like has probably never been to a knife event, and he thinks that all that is is everyone's judging you on your knife prices and stuff nah. like that. Because we do that does come up a lot. I mean, in terms of, I think that it is interesting how people look at price ranges and then kind of gauge where they are and where everybody else is and there is that is just the nature of you trying to evolve as a business person you know in this particular mm. lane yeah i mean if you you know if you're finishing blades 120 on a belt um and then you're trying to sell them for 500 dollars a pop people are going to look down their nose and go what the hell's going on here but you know if you're doing a decent product and you know there's value that's the thing if there's still value in it and you're still making a profit it's you know Everyone's happy, surely. Don't worry. Good answer. Rekko, you got anything? All those people who are finishing their blades at 120, they're going, oh, shit. She's talking about me. <laughs> I probably am. You probably are. I mean, if you look yeah. at some of the uh, production stuff that sells for upwards of three to $400, some of those have 220 to 400 grit machine finishes on them. And those are commercially made oh. knives. Um, oh. You know, I think... Yeah, I I agree. I think it's it's totally up to you how you want to run your business and you know, also it's also up to you how public you make the knowledge. I mean, I don't think there's any wrong anything wrong with working with somebody around their budget at all. I think that's actually quite admirable. Um and you don't have to build every knife that way, but I don't think I I, I do think that there may be a concern of pigeonholing yourself in that way, but I don't I think if you still, I don't know. I think it's all right to be flexible and mix it up. 
and maybe you do a knife for 300 bucks because somebody who just however has like really appealed to you in their you know in their email or whatever and getting a hold of you and really wanting some of your work and but they only got 400 bucks to work with i'm sure you could figure out how to make that work but that doesn't mean you're married to making that style of knife for the rest of your career Hmm. um i think it's it's all up to you and again like nobody like uh, who's fucking business is it how much you sell your work for anyways it's things can be so very it can vary so widely based on the actual materials used and the kind of you know the 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 intensity of the damascus pattern or you know if it's an integral non i mean there's so many variables and so i always tell you know think you know i could make a knife for 500 bucks uh i don't think it would be my best work but if somebody needed a knife for me and they only got 500 bucks to work with then if i might be able to work with them but otherwise you know, I, there are also a lot of really great knife makers out there, and I, I would be happy to refer. And I actually did that recently. I, you know, referred them to somebody else who was in a better position to serve that person. So, hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and nobody knows your volume either. Right. Um, you know, you could you could be moving a shit ton of knives and making a hell of a lot of profit every month by doing, you know, knives that, you know, cost less than what people would expect. And, you know, if so, good on you. So... Don't sweat it. Do what you need to do. Yeah, I mean, there. I think th- I just I just turned American. Don't sweat it. Don't, Don't sweat, sweat it, it, man. I, Don't I think there it. are a lot of makers. Uh, people would be surprised who who are selling knives at you know maybe four or five hundred dollar range, um, or even three to five hundred dollar range. But because of their volume, you know, they're doing a hundred k plus a year. And so hmm. again, it's it's just up to you and how you want to run things. That's I mean, that's nothing to turn your nose up at. That's for fucking sure. Andy Neal. Andy Neal's got something. He's got a different type of question. Here's a tough scenario, guys. A zoo has to euthanize an elephant for legitimate reasons. Oh, my God. (laughs) Not interested. (laughs) Strangling. Strangling, I'd say. I like that. I read the first thing, like, oh, fucking zoo. And then all of a sudden, it's like, euthanize for legitimate reasons. (laughs) Legitimate. (laughs) Legitimate reasons. These nasty elephants. This fucking elephant's got to go. Um, They ask you to use its ivory to make a knife that will be sold as a fundraiser. Do you do it? Obviously, your costs are covered. Oh, would you? Would they're euthanizing? <laughs> Bessie's got to go. The old bat. <laughs> the old bat's got to go. She stopped somebody. And they got to knock her out. <laughs> you make it. You make a knife with her ivory. With the ivory. It depends how it's framed. I think. I think this could be. Um. A good a good thing to highlight the plight of ivory maybe i don't know it depends how it's framed but if it's just a case of look this this elephant's just dead should we just take the ivory and make make some money make some lives sell it as ivory no way and there's no way in the world i'd do that but if they you know if they were doing it you know consciously to you know make a point and this is going to get some sort of marketing out of it that you know ivory isn't a good material to be used um Possibly. Yeah, I suppose there could be some sort of spin on it that could, you know, be a good thing. Hmm. You think so? I'm not explaining this very well. You think well, so? Fucking yeah, I take the money. Yeah, you... <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm trying to put some sort of spin on it. And the elephant's dead! <laughs> Jesus Christ! Hey, not yet! They're gonna... <laughs> I didn't kill him, he's already dead! <laughs> so, I mean, 
That, but that's, I mean, I, personally, I, I mean, I wouldn't do it because there's no spin. You're, you're still putting value on something that is frowned upon. You know, you is frowned upon. But I mean, there's so many people using mammoth tusks still. Those, those, those poor mammoths. <laughs> um, by the way, I, I saw a mammoth this week. Not a real, not a live mammoth, obviously. Um, we took the kids to museums while we were back back, back in Wales, and um, they had like a dinosaur exhibition. <laughs> so, you know, my kids are two, and they're into dinosaurs, and they were loving it. There's, you know, these life-size bones and all the rest of it, and, you know, you can walk under them and around them. We turned this corner, and it was all a bit dark, and I'm like, what the hell's going on here? They had like um, a robotic, you know, it moved, um, a mammoth, a full-size, big, hairy, old, woolly mammoth. Oh, wow. And um, and it moved. I shit. <laughs> I think I ran behind my kids. <laughs> like, it's like, so I wasn't expecting it. It was scary as hell. But um, oh that's, gonna, that's the mammoth story. I of thought the week. you were going to say you saw a mammoth when you were sitting down to eat some old bat next to you. Was... No, 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 nothing. Anyway, any mammoth stories of the week? I'm not doing it. I don't. I don't. Okay. Number one, I don't like using. I don't like using horns or antlers anyway, and I don't think I would be able to. I don't think I'd be able to do it, regardless of, you know. I I know that people are using a lot of found stuff. Like I remember Will Stelter and I were walking around Blade Show one year, and they were at this table filled with like these mammoth teeth and 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 I guess found walrus tusks and stuff like that. And I know that you know people do that. I just you know. It's just not for me. I don't think I could do it. Yeah. Uh, Morocco, what do you think? Yeah, I think. I mean, my initial it would be have to it would have to be a very special situation for me to want to do it. I think, though. Do you mean like a big check? Is that what you're <laughs> no, no, when no, you say no. Special no, situation. No, not even the money. Like, how special? This was the this was the elephant that was based on Dumbo. They did the yeah. <laughs> this is the Dumbo drawing animal. No, I think. I I would be I would be too worried about the potential negative publicity around it honestly and so I think I would probably not do it it would have to be yeah I don't know a special situation where there wasn't any negative publicity but otherwise I I wouldn't do it okay that's a good question right should we should we do the whole YouTuber thing? So, if you're a listener and you follow us on Instagram at Knife Talk Podcast, please leave a message down in the comments. What you would do with this poor elephant? Don't tusk. send it to me. Tusk. Don't send it to me. I have something. A couple <laughs> things I'd like to say to our, our listeners. Besides the fact that you know you guys are awesome, but sending DMs to our individual accounts. Pretending as if we're listening to the podcast with you and talking to us as if in real time, in real time, like we remember what we say is not good. So anytime you want to interact about this show, send it to Knife Talk. Otherwise, some of you people send me these things. You talk to me like you've been listening or you weren't on the podcast. I don't have no idea what you're talking about. Some of you are completely incoherent. So number one, that's number one. And number two is when we try to edit yourself and some of the things you send and I'm getting a lot of messages that are long and then at the end it gives me the, it says feel free to edit this if you want it's just like dude I got enough to I got I literally have pages <laughs> upon pages of questions that sounds like and they're an all automatic like one. delete 
No, I mean, I li- everyone's cool, but I mean, for some reason, you guys don't listen. You know, you, 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 you that's, I ha- that's an, that's an issue. And the other thing is, is guys, the all oh, be, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm you're going to be, you're all shit bags. That's uh, what well, he's trying to you say. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, we're not, no, of course not. I mean, but it's just like, you know, it would be nice to listen. And that brings me up to a question that was sent in. Uh, yeah, fuck it. I'll save it for another one. It was basically like, are you guys going to keep talking to your your podcast listeners in a certain way. I'm like, yeah, the answer is yes. So I want you to, we're going to have the all beef reviews coming up, the fourth annual all beef review. And I, I, you know, I, last night I was, I was looking, I was listening to the clips, you know, you used to cut clips for the podcast, you know, four years ago, you know, yeah. You used to cut the funny clips out. God damn, that was funny. That that was so much fun. I was listening to, I was laughing at all the goofy things we said. But the all beef reviews is fun, and basically what it is is a chance for you to write something funny and something that you don't like or you have a beef with. And like I gave a beef about the fact that some of the listeners don't listen, and they or they want or they're what that you're not on. What's going on with Google Play? And I don't listen to it. <laughs> That's a beef. I'm having a beef with it. So send us in uh, beefs for all beef review. I'm already accumulating a pile of them, and uh, I'm looking forward to us doing that at the end of the year to kind of say, you know, fuck you to 2021 and onward to 2022. Okay, we're hour and 40 minutes in. So on that positive note, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we shall speak to you later, shitbags. <laughs> this show is brought to you by. The Makery, the podcast network for makers. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> We're slowly alienating every. This is like a. Listen, they can listen to all the other. Self sabotage. They can listen to all the other clones of us. It's fine. There's clone podcasts out there that people listen to this. Oh, I could do that too. Let me start a podcast. And then it's. You go listen to them. It's fine. There's plenty out there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm s- uh, that, was, that was a good show. Um, went well with Pear too. Um, I'm looking forward to next week. Um, I'm going to set up my studio here because we've got video again, haven't we? So mm. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to go all out. Um, I think we should pit maybe makers we're speaking to every maker so the way it's going to work next next week is um because i think there's i, can't, I, I 15 maybe makers maybe that's a less bit more. than last year really yeah, oh, i did, right, okay. i had but, dossiers um, on every single one of them it was i got a little bit crazy <laughs> but we're going to speak to everyone this time so they've actually got a slot of time where they can be coming into us as well good yeah we missed a couple of people um, last year didn't we yeah, we did we missed a few so yeah we're going to speak to everybody so it's, it's going to be lots of fun so i'm going to have lasers here there's going to be a smoke machine um there's going to be too many jingles to mention um and anytime you know somebody's having a good day or they get they've got a sale we'll celebrate with them it'll be fun i'm going <laughs> to go back in the jeep because i want it to sound good i okay. when i when we were doing the lives i was doing it out in the shop and it just sounded bad i want to be i want mm. it to sound good so i'm going to be in the jeep i might wear i might wear a jacket can you get nico to come in with his film crew and and like be a roving follow you around speaking of nico <laughs> i actually had a great time i was at a halloween party with him and i was talking to him he's going to come back on the full blast podcast around thanksgiving which i'm excited about we were talking about the alec baldwin thing and he had a very mm. unique t- and somebody a lot of people just reached out to me saying i wonder what nico says about it and he didn't have anything to say specifically about 
uh, Alec Baldwin, and he's not really at liberty to do a lot of talking about it. So yeah. I, this might be. But he's used to being on sets, isn't he? Well, he's he, been. I mean, he's he been word. on sets with Alec Baldwin. He's been on sets with other famous people. But he's also he's in the in one of the unions. One of the things that's interesting about the whole Alec Baldwin thing, we talked about it last week, Alec Baldwin was on the set of his movie. He was also the producer. He had a live gun, and he was practicing a draw, I guess, and he shot his the, the, the cinematographer, and he shot uh, somebody else and killed one poor woman, which is terrible, and it's a very interesting... It was an interesting story, and it becomes more interesting because a lot of this has to do with the unions and the fact that I guess two weeks before um, the event, and there were a lot of unions that were voting to go on strike. A lot of people set set uh, people going unions were going to go on strike, and there was a lot of questions about safety. And it was really interesting because there was these there were these issues in regards to unions and safety precautions. And I was I asked him because I was listening to I was listening to somebody who was saying you know if you're a gun owner. It's you are the lat. You are the final. You know, you don't. Someone to hand you a gun. Your responsibility in terms of gun safety is to know if it's loaded or not loaded. You're responsible. And I said that to him, and he says, "Well, it's not really the way it works in, in with the unions." And he says, that "If you think about how many deaths there have been uh, between, you know, it's been 20 years since Brandon Lee died. You know, Brandon Lee was mm. Bruce Lee's son. He was on the set of The Crow, and uh, he had a prop gun, and uh, you know, like something you know, got out and killed him." If you think about how many movies have been made, it's really it's a safety issue. And the way that the unions work is a lot of them is there's the armor and the armor does, you know, he he shows he everything's in locked up cases and the armor shows the actors and it's very very well regulated and in this situation they had, you know, basically kicked the original armor off and they brought someone in who might not have been as experienced. Yeah. But it was it was fascinating because he was just talking about in regards to safety standards and how unions go. And he was he says the other thing is he's on John Wick. They have all the guns in John Wick. You know how it's all it's a million guns. The the barrels are all welded up, so there's like there's nothing coming out of the guns except for it allows the shells to shoot out, and then they computer generate all the gun blasts. Well, on right. these cheaper movies like this movie Rust, they they weren't going to do that. Yeah. But I saw The Rock this week announced, didn't he, that he will no longer work with guns on set. It all needs to be, you know, they need to be, you know, fake guns and it needs to be CGI'd, you know, all the rest of it. And, you know, the technology's out there. They could, you know, they could easily fool anybody, you know, to show it's a real gun. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's very different from me here in, in, in Europe because gun culture is very, you know, we don't see guns, you know, let alone, you know, have them around. Whereas you know in the in the states there's you know there's different beliefs on guns and all that kind of thing, um, so yeah, I I just find it super weird. Why would they use a real gun anyway? But um, yeah, it's all it's all very strange. Yeah. It is interesting. It is it he it, he also he can't keep his he can't like get his dick out of the way because now he's posting like oh he's posting people's like his kids. he's posting he's oh. posting like. Uh, so he's like kind of fighting people on social media about it. Like you just killed someone fucking brought back for a little bit. You know, yeah. you don't have to like take screenshots of things that people are saying about you and, and don't get, we don't want, nobody wants to hear from you right now. You are a, a yeah. dummy and a, and a dummy. You're a dummy. Just leave yeah. it alone for Christ's sakes. 
Yeah, it is crazy. It is Jesus. Crazy. Oh. All right, but he's. Go on. Sorry, I was going to change the top topic. I thought I got. I got. I thought I got us a little bit on the downward spiral right here, but. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Dan but, the Seal. By the way, I am. I really am. Actually, I'm gonna. I, yeah, I've got some some ideas which you guys won't know about until the time either. And, oh boy. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we're gonna. We should play um, the because uh, we're seeing every maker, and we should play them off against each other a little bit as well. Because they don't know what's been said by the other makers, because they won't be listening live. <laughs> so we, we could. Have we got to be careful. That's all I'm saying. Because we got to be careful because I'll tell you why. We don't want to get any more negative messages like Colorado Jim on, on, on iTunes saying that we Craig hangs up on people. We can't, we got to be, we got to be careful. We got to watch our P's and Q's. I'm done with that. And, and you know, do you know what? When we were speaking to Pear earlier, and I said, Pear, we've got one more question. I'm, I'm sure he's like, oh, shit. Are, we, are you like jittery? You're jittery. Maybe we should, should we, should we have like one set of questions for every single maker? Like one, like here's oh, and the last thing we're gonna do is, you know, name. You know, what's your favorite? Should we have one? Should we have one question? Yeah. All right. I'll I'll come good, up with yeah. a couple questions yeah. and then I'll we'll run them past you guys and then we can use it at the end. All right. We're asking this to okay. everybody. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it could be good. It could be. I'm looking forward to it. Right. Really yeah. So what's going on this week? What are you guys up to? Racco. Knife shit. Regular knife stuff. Oh, I forgot to mention that we did Halloween. I totally forgot about Halloween. Did you guys do anything for Halloween, Jeff? I know your daughter's obviously. I went to a, we went to a party. Out of that. Yeah. Okay. Mm, I mean, Halloween in the UK and and the rest of Europe isn't like in America. I've seen like you know looking on people's Instagram, seeing like what you guys do for Halloween. It's it's like a big big event. It's it's got bigger over the last maybe you know maybe ten years, but it, it's it's not like a big big event. So. Yeah. Um, you know, we carved pumpkins and, you know, the, the kids dressed up, but we, you know, we didn't go anywhere. We were just in the house and, sure. you know, normal stuff. Fingal had a good time. He had, his whole village did some big parade. Yeah, really? it was, really? it was, it was cool. a Celtic holiday, right? So it was Samhain, right? I don't know. It must know. be a reciprocal thing because all Americans think they're Irish, so maybe the Irish <laughs> think they're American. Dude, for Halloween. I, dude I, the Amer- <laughs> I tell you what, that's the hilarious thing. The American, the Americans who, you talk to a guy like Fingal. And he'll say that for when they, these guys, they say, I'm Irish too. It's like, you're an American, <laughs> brother. Just make sure you know yeah. that. Never forget. You went to Boston once and you think you're Irish. You <laughs> yeah, you're a fan of the, the Boston Celtics. And all of a sudden, you're, you know, you're like, you know, what was he going to tell you? Um, I got asked. We were going to talk. We were going to we were gonna talk about cameras and stuff, weren't we? Because at the <sighs> beginning of the show, you mentioned well, you're going to get Nico in now, so I suppose it makes no difference. But uh, go ahead, talk yeah. about cameras. No, no, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I mean, <laughs> what? just bored the hell out of me. To be honest with you. What was it going to say? I got asked to. I'm going to go back to uh, Dragon's Breath Forge for another tong making class in March. Oh, nice. So nice. Uh, keep your eyes open, and uh, we'll be moving tickets soon, moving slots soon. They went pretty fast last week, so last time. So we're going to be in March at Dragon's Breath Forge, and then. I'm going to have Pat Quinn on the Full Blast podcast after Thanksgiving to announce the dates and stuff for the new Center for Mental Arts classes, including my class. So there's going to be all sorts of this stuff there. That'll be exciting. Did you end up getting getting any Frank Pepe's when you were at Dragon's Breath last time? No, I was too goddamn tired. I I was. I I didn't. I. You know what the funny thing was? I was so hungry on the way back. I stopped at. I stopped at some one of those in those that strip mall by not too far from. 
from where from where Dragon's Forge Forges, and I sure. ended up standing in line at a uh, Jersey Mike's. Okay. For five yeah. minutes, and yeah. they were so fucking slow oh, that Jesus. I was like, I can either go home or I can wait here for something really mediocre. And I was stood in line for literally seven minutes. I'm just like, I must be the. You think that's slow? you need to come to France if you if you think that or is ten slow. or Jesus well Christ. it was like it was like seven o'clock and I wanted to go home and I was hungry. You can wait forty five minutes for a McDonald's here. You you Christ. you lost your mind. You waited forty. You <laughs> wait a second. Stop everything. You can do. You wait forty five minutes for a McDonald's. Oh my I, god. I generally don't, but anything anything here is just slow. They do, yeah, everything is slow. Forty five minutes for a Royale with cheese. How how often do you <laughs> yeah. eat McDonald's? Be honest. Um, once a week? No. Once no, a no, month? No. Um, maybe twice a month. Wow. Maybe twice a month. Really? Jeff, we, I think... The thing is, we do... It's different there, though, in the sorry. UK, right? Or in in Europe, in the EU. Like, they have different They have different regulations about serving people fake food versus real food. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all beef. But, I mean, because we live so far away from everything, we're, on the way back from everywhere, we go through this little town... Uh, and they have a McDonald's there. And because we're always out and about having to go everywhere, we're always sort of on the road, you know, every day, whatever we need to do. We've got to go on the road for something because there's nothing local. Um, so quite often it's just like, oh, should we just, should we just pop in? Because it's always, no, McDonald's is always open, isn't it? And, you know, the French, they're closed on a whim, you know. They, <laughs> we, f- we found it's a very different mentality here to, um, like, work. Compared to, you know, like, in the UK, you know, I had a, a bunch of businesses and everything was all, you know, as much as you can, as much as you can. Over here, it's very much of once you get what you need, like, th- they value, like, family time more than anything else then. Hmm. So, you know, like, businesses, like, uh, you know, they'll just close. You never know when they're going to be open or when they won't. Because if they've had a good morning, they would be like, well, I'm, I'm going home this afternoon. I'm closing up. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's Honestly, it is so different for someone sure. which is what for me and the UK is you know hour and 20 minutes on the plane it, it is like being because I've spent the last 10 days back in the UK where everything is you know everything's open and everybody's trying to generate profits all the time you know and everything you can get anything you need to come back here it's just like oh fuck it's very different very different but McDonald's is one of those places it's always open and um, yeah maybe twice a month maybe is there a drive through in the McDonald's in France there is, there is, but nobody really? uses it. They want to nobody sit. In, they want. It, they yeah. sit inside of McDonald's. They'll sit inside and they'll spend a good, a good two get hours. Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> Jesus, you can get beer. You can get beer in McDonald's here as well, which you can't in the UK. So you get sort of the younger sort of the younger kids all going out to McDonald's and spending a few hours. Clubbing at McDonald's, and, yeah. dude. You're telling me that they yeah. go to McDonald's for drinks? Is there like a bar there? There's not a bar, but when you you know when you when you choose your you know your your, your Big Mac meal, they like Coke, Sprite, Fanta, or Heineken, or you know. They all, what's your idea. what's your go to what's your go to order at McDonald's? Uh, they do this signature. I I'm not sure if it's a, like a worldwide thing, but they do a signature burger, and it's in like um, it's a brioche bun, which I'm not a big fan of, but it, it it but it works, um, and it's too. This burger, I don't. It's no. It's not a quarter pounder. It's not the Big Mac burger. It's, it's like in between the quarter two. Quarter pounder. Um, but they, they there's bacon and there's blue cheese Jesus. on top as well. And it's, it's they call it the signature. So that I, I, I think it may be a French only thing, but it's very good. And um, 
Yeah, and it comes on a plate as well, which is nice. No wrap. It's not wrapped well, up. Most meals come in. No, it's like in a like in a card plate. This so, is like yeah, a fucking get, restaurant. You get you get cutlery. You get know? the fuck <laughs> it's, out of here. It's just like the, this is like the Gold Star McDonald's. So this is a brioche bun, which is over the top, extra right out of the bat, and blue cheese uh, and bacon and two burgers. Any other any other yeah. greens in there? No, Micro no, greens? No. I mean, what no are they have? Arugula? No, no, no. I mean, that, what kind of fucking McDonald's, McDonald's is like, it's high there's class been, over there. There's been lots of villages or towns um, where they've tried to open a McDonald's and they're driven out by the farmers. They'd all turn up with their tractors and stuff and they're like, no, we're not having this shit around here. And they, wow. McDonald's pack up and they go away. It's the reason there's no there's no Starbucks in, in, in France either. Or certainly not, you know, maybe in Paris, but certainly not the rest of France. Because people just won't have it. They'd be like, there's no fucking way we're well, having that. What are some other and, specialties yeah. from France McDonald's? McNuggets? Do they have um, McNuggets? They have McNuggets, yeah. I think they have the, you know, I'm used to McDonald's in the UK. So, I'm you know, I'm used to the general menu. And they, they, they have all that. But they, they have what, what they call um, speciality sometimes, you know. Like what? Um, well, like I said, that burger is the current speciality, and um, yeah. like McFoie gras and stuff like that. <laughs> Can you imagine deep fried? Holy Jesus, Jesus Christ! Christ. I feel my arteries hardening yeah, up. Yeah, they are. Not the only <laughs> thing it's hardening up, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Can't get much better than that, ladies and germs. Uh, I think that's, that's a show. it, baby. See you next week at Damasteel, guys. Go to damasteel.se. We're gonna have some fun. Yeah. And, it's free. It's free. free. It's free, and we'll be fooling around. It's on Saturday the 13th, 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. I th- I'm pretty sure it's what time it is. We're going to be there the whole time, and you can, you can interact with us. We'll have some fun. You're going to see all your – definitely see all the other makers, and think we'll be drunk. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that is a given. That is a given. Think we'll be going drunk and happy and funny. So Nice. Yeah. We should see you next week, and uh, yeah, and it'll be live too. Sorry, we forgot to say it'll right. be live. So we'll post the links up, and you can you can, um, you can you can live, and you can interact with us, and all the rest of it. It'll be fun. It'll, it'll post the show up on Monday, right? Yeah, we post it up Monday, but yeah, it'll be live too for those attending. Right. You know, and they can interact, so it'll be cool. So um, yeah, thank you all again for listening. Um, should I put another song yes, on this week? Definitely. I'm wondering whether definitely. I'm wondering whether that's why Google said no. I'm not oh, sure. Maybe oh, maybe that's like what a happened. Issue. Possibly. I was. Just, I literally just thought of that now. Maybe that's the reason. I don't know. Fuck. What are we gonna do? How, your music is so good. How, what can we do? That's the reason. But, that is the reason. That's probably the reason. That's isn't the it? fucking reason. Because I think what they probably do, they've probably got some sort of machine that will transcribe all the. The words, I and mean, they'll just see the words to the song. And go, oh, that's copyrighted material. But they you know, thought you were Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> Google thinks I'm Bruce Springsteen, and on that note, I'm going to finish with that. Cause I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Maybe I just wanna fly, wanna live, don't wanna die. Maybe I 
Avec les Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.